everyone. Welcome to the Mindful Marriage Podcast, a Hope Fellowship podcast all about helping you survive and thrive in your marriage in ways only God could imagine. I'm your host, Seth Muse, and with me is Hope Fellowship's lead care and support pastor, Brock Yonke, and licensed professional counselor, Tara Wiedemeyer. What's up, guys? Hey. Welcome back. <laughs> That's such a great greeting. Thank you. Uh, Hello. Every, every time I think she's done, like, Hey, <laughs> everybody go back and it's just kind of... It's signature greeting. I might need to put together a string of hey's. Ooh, do that. And send it <laughs> to me, next, please. Okay. That's going to go my voice You could now. call it a hey bail. Oh, gosh. You could. You could do that. You could also not do that. You could also not I'm do sorry, that. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. So no one here has had coffee yet, so no, no promises. But today, uh, we are going to be discussing a little sensitive subject. So... Fair warning, if you're listening in your car with your kids or got it on your speakers at work, uh, might be time to grab the headphones or maybe save it for later. Uh, so just kind of fair warning. Yeah, because in, in preparing for this episode, there were some times that Tara just got out of control. And so what? it'd be nice if you could... Uh, I yeah, turned just, into a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> she did. It was awful. So, yeah. <laughs> And the reason that is true with context, you know, no context so far, Yeah. <laughs> uh, except maybe the title, but... Um, we're going to be talking about the subject of sex, how each married couple brings this different perspective to the marriage or could possibly do that. Yep. And uh, it could get a little um, weird for you know people walking by your office and going, what are you listening to, man? So anyway, just want to give you fair warning on that. But today, Brock, let's, let's just jump into this uh, subject and, uh, and kind of kick us off. What are, we, what are we going for here? I think one of the main issues in all of marriage is that we're trying to gain the other person's perspective and realizing that just because we think that way doesn't mean that everyone thinks that way, doesn't mean that's the right way to think. And so really, if you could gain a perspective where the other person's uh, coming from, how they see the world, then gain a little empathy toward how they see the world, I think that's really just going to go so far in helping your marriage be a little more healthy, a little more mindful of thinking about that other person. Uh, there was a quote I read the other day, and see if it lands with you, because I read this quote to Tara, and she didn't like it at first. Then she visually saw it, and then it made more sense to I her. I didn't dislike it. You, there was a little... I just wasn't wowed. You set it up a little too high for okay, me. Okay, so I won't set it up so high, but this is a great quote. All right, so Henry David Thoreau said, Could a greater miracle take place than for us to look through each other's eyes for an instant? For an instant, not an instance. Could a greater miracle take place than for us to look through each other's eyes for an instant? And I think if we could get the perspective of seeing how our spouse sees the world and what's going on in their mind, what uh, struggles they bring uh, to a daily basis, like stresses and pressures and all that kind of stuff, then that really allows us then to not just think about ourselves all the time, but think about another human being, which is the goal of this whole whole thing. Right. Tara, what... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What would you add to that? I mean, there's, uh, you know. Would you add any, maybe, I don't know what we'd call it, a disclaimer to any of this? Oh, Tara? thank you. Yes, look at that segue. Segway. We know that there's not always a higher and lower desire partner in every marriage, but for the sake of this talk, we're going to um, talk as if there, that's what's going on and that the male is the higher desire and female is the lower desire partner. And again, we know that that is not always the case. Very much I've seen differently, but just for the sake of today, that's kind of where we're coming from. So please yep. hear us when we say that. So you guys... So explain to us you know, a little bit when you say higher desire and lower desire when it comes to sexual intimacy, sexuality in a marriage. What do you, what do you mean when you say that? So what we mean is that there are 
mismatched libidos. And so one partner, it's not that just one partner wants to have sex all the time and one partner doesn't want to have sex ever or at all. It's they just, it's on a, they're at different places on the spectrum. So for different reasons, one wants to have sex more often than the other. The, the one who's low desire could still be interested in having sex. It just may be at a lower um, frequency okay. than the higher desire person. So we, so we found the sexual desire inventory, and so we thought we'd go over this real quick to kind of get us started and kind of see maybe where yeah. you're at. And again, the goal of this whole thing is perspective and empathy, like what is going on in the mind and the heart of my, of my uh, spouse. So uh, first question is, during the last month, how often would you have liked to engage in sexual activity with your partner? So it could go from not at all, once a month, once every two weeks, once a week, twice a week, three or four times a week, once a day, or more than once a day. And so obviously the various edges of that right. response are the higher desire versus the lower desire. And so uh, if you're a higher desire person, you're probably going to go higher on the on the scale of about twice a week, three to four times a day, once a day. And so if you're lower desire, three to four times a day, three to four times a day, <laughs> three to four times a week. Wow. Yeah, that would be that would be super high desire. Yeah. So uh, I'd have to quit my job. <laughs> be like awkward. OK, so in the spirit of vulnerability here. So Tara and I are going to give our responses to this particular quiz that she's very excited about doing that. And so in my uh, relationship, I'm the higher desire spouse. And so I'd be another. So I circled twice a week or three to four times a week would be kind of a higher desire, kind of uh, a spot where I would land on that. Okay. And since I'm the lower desire in my marriage, um, even though I gave this inventory to Brock, I have not answered it until right now, like read them and like thoughtfully answered them. So I'm doing it just now because I don't like these questions. Um, mine would probably be um, in the last month, holy moly, um, I could go with not at all or once a month. So Tara's husband's name is Daniel. Oh, And so boy. one of the things I like to say all the time is poor Daniel. So anyway, okay, moving on to the next question. During the last month, how often have you had sexual thoughts involving a partner? That's uh, involving your partner. So not at all to many times a day. I circled once a day or a couple times a day. And that would be a, kind of a higher desire. Or like every 18 seconds. Every 18 seconds, that would be kind of a higher desire yeah. kind of a response <laughs> from a spouse. That's for our three to four times a day people. Yes, exactly. And my answer would be once or twice a month. Okay. And then the third question we have is when you have sexual thoughts, how strong is your desire to engage in sexual behavior with your partner on a scale from zero to eight? I don't know why they gave us a scale of zero to eight, but I circled kind of a six or a seven would probably be uh, mm -hmm. how intense those thoughts are. And Tara would circle? I would circle probably, I'm going to go with a five to seven on that one. Okay. I, I was expecting a, a lower number. Okay. In my, in Save my, your criticisms in, in my for poor another Daniel, time. Uh, tirade there. Last question. How long could you go comfortably without having sexual activity mm -hmm, of some mm -hmm. kind? Uh, the lower end would probably be forever. How about you not guess our end and you just, Take care of your own. Well, I was gonna, I was explaining <laughs> to the listener uh, what the different uh, responses. Don't could be. project on me. No, That's I wasn't right. projecting. That was Tara projecting. That was the poor Alicia. The, oh, poor Alicia. Wow. All right. How long could you come to without having sexual activity of some kind? The scale goes from. I'll just say the scale goes from forever to um, uh, less than one day. And so I fear I circled that I could probably go come to without having sexual activity of some kind about a week, and then I'd start to feel a little. Uh, 
little frustrated. Frustrated. Yes, that would be the answer. <laughs> um, I, you know, I joke around and say forever a lot on this question. Um, and most days I think I mean that. But on a good day, I could say several months to a year or two. That's when we insert the sound bite. Poor Daniel at that point oh in time. Goodness. And so the goal here is to, to gain some perspective and some empathy. And so, you know, one of the things that in our marriage, I kind of get frustrated sometimes because I, in the higher desire, my wife's a little bit on the, on the lower desire side. And so I get frustrated with her, but having the conversation with Tara and kind of hearing her perspective, mm-hmm. hearing from someone that there's no emotion involved in the, in the responses, it really gave me empathy uh, toward my wife and kind of wanting to see how sh- she sees the world. And I think if we can start there, that's really the basis. If we can get there, we're really at a good spot for for looking at all this kind of stuff. So, Well, and I think it's important to remember, too, that, like, love and sex are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. They can be related, and it can be – sex can be used as an expression of love and to connect to somebody, but they are not the same thing. So if somebody is saying, like, hey, I don't want to have sex right now, that is not saying I don't love you. And I think a lot of times people – we attach this meaning – that isn't there or, you know, it, it, it can hurt our feelings if somebody like comes at us from that angle. But again, it's not, they're not the same thing. So what a good, a good thing to do maybe as a couple is just to even start to gain some perspective empathy, just to kind of go through those questions together and hear their response and not judge mm-hmm. their response and just kind of hear and kind of understand what's going on in the other person's world. Like you're in their shoes, seeing things from through Absolutely. their eyes. Yeah. yeah. Cause it can be really frustrating. If you're a high desire person and you're approaching your partner constantly and they're constantly going, no. And it's like more of like, I'm not just low desire. I'm not interested. Then that pattern can definitely hurt if you're not understanding what's, what's going on. When you have the same conversation and conflict all the time without resolve. And so then eventually you might just go into not having the conversation and then there's, you know, that might lead to just Mm -hmm. not connecting. A little little bit of a groundhog day experience where you're having the same conversations and it leads to frustrations and the communication probably just shuts down after a while. So, Mm -hmm. so if you're, uh, um, the higher desire spouse in this situation, how Tara, would you recommend to have a conversation with your spouse and say, here's kind of how I feel when I hear the no's all the time. Uh, I feel kind of frustrated when I ask, and it's a constantly kind of a, hey, not now. And so you start to kind of, yeah. like, what would be a healthy conversation if you're the higher desire well, I think, spouse? I think if you're the higher, higher desire coming, um, it's like initiating that conversation, kind of what you said, but just like, this is how I'm feeling, you know. Um, I was listening to this um researcher talk about this and in her own marriage it was that was happening and she was the lower desire and so she said that if you were to like put this on a graph and look at it about every six to 12 months her husband and she would I mean it was like clockwork her husband would like basically tap her on the shoulder and be like hey we need to talk I want more sex and she's like well I don't you know and so until they got some data and some answers they were having the same conversation every six to 12 months throughout their relationship, you know, and, you know, I think libido is something that very much can ebb and flow depending on what's going on mm-hmm. outside of us and, and or inside of us. And so um, I think just starting that conversation, knowing again, like I say this all the time, but knowing that it's going to take one more than one conversation to like find any resolve in this, you know, because it's a very complicated thing. And I think for a lot of people, this is something that goes back years 
in like messages that they received as a child or from church or whatever else. And so you're not looking at just like, why don't you want to have sex with me right now? Like that's, that is not, that's kind of even a moot point because I think it's so much deeper and more complex and multi-layered than just like in the moment. So if you're, so thinking about from someone's perspective, you just don't know what's going on inside of their mind, inside of their heart, because there could have been some sexual abuse potentially in the past. There could have been some, uh, there could be current, there could be stresses, could be uh, just worn out. There could be all kinds of emotional things. And, you know, from the church's perspective, maybe we've done a, a really good job of saying for years and years, don't have sex, don't have sex. This is some evil activity. And then all of a sudden you get married and you're supposed to just flip a switch and it's supposed to be yeah. okay. And it could mm-hmm. have caused some damage. And I remember when I was a youth pastor, we had the True Love Weights movement. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys were yep. a product of that. Yes. Purity so rings. The, yeah, the True Love Weights yep. movement was basically saying, um, kind of almost over-promised this event. Like, hey, it is so bad if this happens right now. And if you wait till you get married, it's going to be this magical, wonderful experience. And it typically doesn't work like that no. just instantly. No. And so I think a lot of people kind of were hurt, disillusioned. Not that it was horrible to ask people to kind of consider waiting, because I think that's a biblical perspective. It but it just created it, the wrong thing. It in your created head. maybe just a different different image. Well, it's in, a big no no, and you can't just automatically go from something that's, you know, historically been a big no no in your head to like, okay, I said my vow, so bang, let's. Mm-hmm. Bang. Wow. Which really so, <laughs> sorry about ladies that. Ladies and gentlemen, Tara Wiedemeyer. But so if if I am the higher desire spouse and I'm having this frustration like sex is not happening enough. So let me share kind of how I approach this a little bit and you can critique therapist. But I, it goes back to the simple principle of drawing the circle around myself and realizing that I can't control another person's actions or their thoughts or their feelings. I can only work on mine. And so I try to think, try to get my wife's perspective, think what how she sees the world, and my role in for her is to really make sure that she feels loved outside of the bedroom, like she feels cherished and honored. Sorry to bring up the word cherish again, but cared for, and that that is kind of my responsibility. And to kind of um, then when I do need to have those conversations, to make sure that I'm careful, that I'm not attacking, I'm not accusing her, that I'm just kind of again gaining her perspective but at the same time I think it's okay to have I have legitimate needs we all have legitimate needs to have that conversation say here is what's going on and just let them know but not do it in a way of like hey you're the problem just like letting them gain your perspective because I think the goal is to gain that other person's perspective so therapist please critique my my perspective I think that's good but I just you've got to you know in my experience you know when those conversations happen, like you said, like you have no idea what's going on on the other person's end sometimes. Um, but what I've seen in my own personal experience and just professionally and talking with friends and just different um, things is that the person who's on the lower desire end um, usually feels like something is like wrong with them mm-hmm. or broken, okay. um, flawed in some way. And so with that, a lot of times can come you know, guilt, shame, embarrassment, discomfort. Um, and so when they have those conversations, they even if the person is doing it very well, okay. like their partner's doing it very well, they may feel like criticized or, you know, put on the spot or again, like it shines a light on like they the feel, flawed areas. They might feel judged as a human being, yeah. like something's wrong with me. Yeah. yeah. And I just think, you know, again, I know it's not always women who are on that end, but a lot of times it is. And if you look at a woman's role oftentimes in the house and outside of the house 
there's a lot. Um, sex can be very much on the bottom of the to-do list because there's the to-do list is so long. Right. And it makes sense to, like, get things done and, like, be productive and efficient. And then, but for the person who's the higher desire, like, that kind of stays at the top of the to-do list. And it's like, I'm totally okay with, you know, pausing everything else to hit that one Mm -hmm. thing. And it's just, it's a, it's a difference. But if you're the higher desire, that's like at the top of the priority list. And so here you got these two people approaching this subject. One is the top of their priority list, something they think about once or twice a day versus once, how do you find any middle ground, any resolution in that? Help us. Well, I think. Help us, Tara. Help us. You have to talk about it for sure. But also know that like, um, like you said, even like after, us kind of delving into this and talking about it, like you had more compassion mm-hmm. for Alicia, yeah. you know? And so just, I think even talking about this in a, in a safe environment, whether it's with friends or your spouse or your therapist or whoever, like it needs to, like, you don't need advice. You don't need to be criticized. Just talking about it and normalizing it and like kind of helping people work things out, I think is helpful. You know, and I think it can be really healing. And so I think knowing that, like, I think it's okay for, like, husbands and wives to discuss this for as long as it takes. And at the end of that talk, like, I think a lot of times people would be like, well, let's wrap this up with a nice pretty bow and have sex just Mm -hmm. to solidify this good talk we had. And I think that is not helpful, probably, um, unless both parties are, like, gung-ho for that. And so I think... You know, just knowing, like, this is something, like, we're going to keep talking about this, like, we're in this together, because it's not just that the low desire needs to come up to the higher desire's, like, perspective. Maybe the high desire needs to knock it down a few notches, you know? And so, again, neither one is wrong, but I think both parties need to be empathetic and compassionate to the other person's um, needs, desires, and, like, the context but a lot of times, I mean, the context is where we, it's the messy part, you right. know, and that's what it takes a while to like kind of sort through. And there's a lot of reasons that this kind of stuff happens. And so I think finding out like what that is, and if people don't know how to have those conversations, just the two of them, I think it is okay to bring in um, a Absolutely. third party Absolutely. to talk about that yeah. and know that it's it's not it's not always super personal and it feels like it is mm-hmm. to one or both spouses, but it's not. Yeah, right. and that's what I was going to say. The high desire, you know, being shut down a lot can feel like they rejection, rejected. They yeah. don't want me. I'm not, there's something wrong with me. I'm not appealing. Um, you know, did I do something? Am I in trouble? You know, I mean, what did I, what's going on? So I think validating those feelings too, like that's not necessarily true. Yeah, understanding you know? what that person kind of needs emotionally. Right, yeah. so for the low desire to look at their high desire partner and go, um, you know, I, I understand that you might feel this way. Let me make sure you understand. It's not you. It's not this, you know, to kind of communicate that right. to them too because that, that helps. Like it, if you're a high desire person and that happens a lot and you, you're probably the one that initiates a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And so it can really cause you to stop initiating that because yep. you misunderstood. And, and I think another thing too is like Tara has helped me really because I used to think that if you had an issue with your spouse – and you went and talked to them, it should be resolved at that. It's, you brought up yeah. one conversation, it's resolved. But Tara's helped me realize that, man, that just, that's typically not the case. This is right. like a long-term conversation. Mm-hmm. And so just engaging that conversation and really, again, 
the goal of all this in the communication, and again, if I step out of bounds, is not to get your point across, but the goal is you're trying to understand mm-hmm. and yes. what they're coming from right. and gain empathy to that. That's your goal in conversation. Yeah, it's and like, if both people are doing that, then you're at a really nice spot, and so you're just it's an ongoing conversation to figure out where each other's uh, at in this situation. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like Andy Stanley says all the time. He'd say, it's not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. Mm-hmm. And like you're constantly kind of working on that and yeah. not trying to come to the table and go, all right, now we've figured out what we're going to do. Let's set up a schedule. You know, and, yeah. and like, I'm, it's like, come on. I'm glad you brought up Andy Stanley because I'm thinking about <laughs> writing in a pseudonym of Andy Stan Lee. What? Yeah, like so S-T-A-N-L-E-E. That would be my... Like a comic so book? People would, well, no, because people would buy it and think, oh, it's Andy Stanley, but it's, oh, it's a lesser version of that. That's human like, like Stan is hey. your middle name. Oh, gosh. This is what the <laughs> listeners want. No, they want it? to know what's going on inside Everyone of our just brains. Turn us off. Do they, though? <laughs> do, yes, they do. do this is, the, you know, this is the, the feedback I Seth, get. Seth, you just said the word myself. schedule, and I think that's um, something I wanted to talk about, too. But, like, it is okay to schedule yeah. sex. You know, I've heard a lot of couples do that and it helps them kind of. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that takes like the, you know, the magic out of it and the spontaneous piece. And I'm like, well, maybe. But at the same time, like if the goal is to have sex, if you're getting your goal done, like met, mm-hmm. then hush and do what you got to do to get it done in that season. Because when people are working and tired and have kids and a million things to do, like they schedule other things, so why not this? If and this is important to you, schedule it if you're not going to be spontaneous about it. I think it takes it. the pressure off of the, the lower desire spouse to feel like, not always feel like they're disappointing their higher desire spouse. Like, oh, they're going to ask me again. Here it goes again. No, we have this scheduled time, and that maybe it mm-hmm. takes a little pressure off of both people. Or you could to, still feel dread, but you at least it's managed. And <laughs> sound drop poor Daniel. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, yes, it is. I just think it's a lot of people are like, I shouldn't have to schedule that. Well, who says, you know? So, like, I think whatever works for you guys and helps you guys have a healthier sex life and feel that those needs are being met and you guys are connecting in the way that you want to connect, then you do whatever you need to do to mm-hmm. make that happen. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's no secret. I mean, we live, especially around here, Frisco, McKinney, North Dallas area. I mean, we live very scheduled lives. Mm-hmm. Very scheduled. And we schedule thing. We schedule family time. Yeah. You know, it's like because that's important to us. You know, we we know that um, we're going to get together on Thursday nights. We're going to have a meal together. We're going to do an activity together. We're going to read the Bible together. We know that's happening. And it doesn't really I mean, sometimes it does feel like, man, this is OK. Here we go. You know, we got to figure out something to do. Mm-hmm. But if we stop just because we didn't feel like it, then the habit will be broken and we'll lose that time eventually. I mean, just that's how habits work. Sometimes need that structure around them of the scheduling. And, you know, having sex with your spouse is a pretty great habit to have, I would well, say. So depends on where you land on the scale. Yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say good. I mean, just healthy anyway. <laughs> healthy. There we go. <laughs> it's healthy. There we go. Yeah. So, all right. Well, any parting shots of wisdom here as we wrap up? Again, I just uh, – you're. I think the goal that you'd walk away from this podcast is to really – not to get what you want more, but to just like, man, if you could walk away, like I really want to understand where my spouse is uh, at in this situation. I think that's ultimately going to lead to good things for them and for you. And yeah, so I, think I mean, if you understand helping. your partner better, then I think, especially in something, if you're the higher desire, but even the lower desire, really, but like you're going to walk away from 
those conversations and if you have a better understanding of them and like maybe empathy and compassion toward them, I think it's going to make you feel better about the like where you're at in that season or mm-hmm. with like, you know, I feel like my needs aren't being met as much. Well, now I can like I have some like data to chew on and with that I can, you know, go a little longer or extend a little bit more grace or um, patience here because this I have a bigger, broader understanding of what's going on big picture. Correct. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. This has really um, been super awkward and helpful, and I appreciate it. So I know that our listeners are going to enjoy that conversation. Thanks, guys, for listening to the Mindful Marriage Podcast, and, and we hope you'll subscribe. And um, don't forget to give a rating, give us a rating and review in the iTunes Store if you get a chance. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate that. Join us next time for a biblical, uh, just for a look at healthy conflict. And don't forget to check out my new book by Andy Stan oh Lee. On that note, goodbye, Mm. listeners. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Mindful Marriage Podcast. Learn more about the marriage ministry at Hope by visiting hopefellowship.net slash marriage.